The following podcast is by Mr. Jim Taylor, elder law and special needs attorney, helping and protecting those who need long-term care. And welcome back to everyone to Answers for Elders Radio Network. And we are here with wonderful Jim Kaler. And we have been talking about spend down. How do you qualify for long-term care benefits? Now you need care. Maybe you have a spouse that needs help. And you are in a situation where you're having to try to figure it all out. And Jim, we have gone through a lot of different scenarios. But I am going to now step into the seat and say, You know, I get calls probably more about this topic than anybody else because people don't understand the whole principles of Medicaid. Number one, um, there's a lot of misnomers, Jim, about that people think that they can still get all of their inheritance, like say, well, mom, dad are giving me all their, you know, X number of cash because this is what's in their will, or I'm getting the house when they die or anything like that. Those things change, obviously, with Medicaid, if, you know, if those things come into the picture. Um, That's a whole other topic we can talk about later. But I get a lot of questions about, I don't even know how to approach the topic with my parents on what kind of financial assets they do when, when care needs to happen and what my role is. Maybe I'm the designated power of attorney that I know this. I need to know the answers to this question of what their desires are and how do I best help navigate this with them? So Jim, can, can I just kind of start with you with that kind of scenario and of course. can you um, begin to share with me? How do we start? Okay. The big question is what kind of care, how much care, what is the proper setting for your loved one who needs care? Mm-hmm. The vast, vast, vast majority of people, I can't say all of them because my great aunt actually chose to go into nursing home, even though she was healthy, yeah. but the vast, vast, vast majority of people never want to move into a nursing home, never no. want to move into assisted living. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, and they don't realize, or maybe they do and just don't care that they're asking their family to take care of them, no matter how much care they need, no matter the right. family, not having training, not having a day off, not having a second shift, not having equipment. Okay. So that is many times an unreasonable expectation. That is the probably the most difficult piece of the conversation to have. Mom, you want me to promise to keep you home. I may not be able to do that. And if I'm not, if I try to keep you home or my home or your home or whatever, even though you probably would get better care somewhere else, it hurts your health and it hurts my health. And when my health gets hurt by this, your health is going to be hurt even more just because I can no longer do it. Right. When a family caregiver, caregiver gets to the end of their rope, there's no place else for them to go. Then the caregiver struggles and the person receiving care is going to struggle more simply because they're not getting the support that they have been getting and certainly not getting the support that they need. Correct. Family caregiving, the unpaid family caregiver is, in my view, the most difficult job in the world. So (laughs) you have to to start the conversation with, yeah, mom, I'm going to try to keep you home. But what happens when I don't think I can anymore? Right. And that is a difficult thing to say. It is a difficult difficult. question to ask. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a difficult question to ask of yourself if you're the caregiver. Yeah. But it has to be asked. Absolutely. So what, what next? Okay. Now 
my suggestion is to bring into the conversation I'm not an expert on what you need. Now, maybe you, are, you know, maybe the family member is an RN with long-term care experience. Okay, then fine. Then that's who needs to look. Okay. But you don't have experience in what someone needs. I suggest you seek out a geriatric care manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm using nurses, by the way. Not many elder law attorneys anywhere in the country have what mm-hmm. we call care coordinators. Mm-hmm. I have three, uh, two RNs and an LPN with a lot of experience. Uh, I'm the only one in Ohio, as far as I know, using nurses. You don't have to use an elder laws, uh, elder law attorneys, care coordinators. There's a whole organization of geriatric care managers. They now call themselves aging life care professionals. So go to aginglifecare.org and there's a search function there for someone near you. So if you, I urge you to have enter into the conversation Mm -hmm. and say, mom, dad, sisters and brothers, I think we need some expertise on just what is mom likely to need. I'm just going to pick on mom. Mm -hmm. What is mm-hmm. mom likely to need? Yeah. Even if it's just for a couple of hours to do an assessment mm-hmm. and help you come up with a care plan. Right. Rather than just fly by the seat of your pants the whole time. Mm-hmm. That would be my first suggestion. And you notice I haven't talked about elder law training at all here other than some elder law attorneys use care coordinators. Okay. Right. I'll put my nurses against anybody in the country, by the way. And those of you who use other nurses, we can put them up against yeah. each other and see what we're doing here. Okay. But, uh get some professional ed- advice, some professional input yeah. on what is likely to come in the future on care needs. Not just what you see now, but what's sure. going down the road. Okay. That would be the first step. Yeah. And then yeah. after that, we can well, talk and about I think- money and what you think you want. But let's talk about what the yeah. first step and what's likely to be coming. And sure. that's from someone who's seen the care needs. Well, and I think the, the main thing starts with, you need to find out, <clears throat> who the designated power of attorney will be and and if who that person is and then i believe it's a responsibility of that person to have those conversations before you even say yes i'll be my, your power of attorney i need to know what you expect of me yes. what your expectations are of <clears throat> you know what kind of care you want because here's the thing that i think a lot of things people think okay um and it certainly was the case in my mother's situation. She appointed um, my former sister-in-law who basically, because she was up in Anacortes where my, my mom's um, all of her, her bank accounts were up there. Right. But then she had to be relocated down here to where I was in Linwood in South Snohomish County, which is about an hour drive away. Right. And, so what happened is, is I was down here trying to take care of her, right? But I had all the responsibility and no authority in which to do so. That did not work for us because wherever I would go with her, whether it was a senior living community that she lived in, they legally couldn't talk to me about my mom. Right. And yet here's this person an hour away that had really no um, no same level of emotional attachment to these issues because she's so far removed so what and, and she's an in-law she's yeah an in-law, and she's in an case. in-law yeah. so the bo- the bottom line was um i remember having a really difficult conversation with my mom but i said mom you know i know why you chose this person to do this i get it and it's not working because this is what's going on and it's like here's the thing for me to continue in the role I'm in, I need to have the ability to care for you. 
if you don't want that to happen, then you're going to have to, I, we're going to have to figure something else out yeah. because that was a s- scenario that mom finally realized, wow, that's, this isn't working. And so she, then we did go to an attorney, an elder law attorney, because that was really important. And one of the things that what really shocked this person is that she had to, she got a notice in the state of Washington, which was called a revocation of power of attorney, which she says, what did I do wrong? It's like, you didn't do anything wrong. You just weren't logistically, uh, you know, available to, which is a perfectly valid reason. Mm -hmm. So those are some conversations that you need to have upfront with your, your loved ones of who is, you know, who's really carrying the ball here. You know, are you going to give it to this person that is just because my son is a financial planner, but he lives 500 miles away? That doesn't necessarily mean your son is the right individual to be that person. And those are the conversations that we've had before, obviously, when you say how to choose people to represent you. But again, this comes into a situation that families are trying to face and everybody is different. There is not a single scenario that is cookie cutter. There really no, isn't because we're all individuals. And I think that's one of the things, Jim, that you've been able to really help us with. Now, yeah. in these conversations, how, what are some ways, what kind of questions, you know, should we know about? Right? Like, how do we approach that question of, you know, how much money do we have to work with, you know, kind of things. I guess that's my question. Yeah. And that's, that, that can be a touchy subject. Some parents, Mm -hmm. some families are wide open about money. This is what I've got. This is where it is. You know, here's all the statements. Just so you know, here's the account number. Most are not. (laughs) Most are not. Some are, you know, somewhere in the middle. They, they, you know, the family knows some, but not everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But some are just completely closed. My kids don't need to know what I've got until I'm dead. And that's what we find a lot. And I'm going to blame estate planning attorneys there. Okay. Estate planning attorneys, people who write wills for a living are very good at thinking about what happens when you die. Mm -hmm. They suck at thinking about what happens when you need long-term care. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Which is why we have so many bad powers of attorney out there and why early on you and I spent so much time talking about who ought to be on the power of attorney, who ought to be the agent. Um, just referencing back, folks, the one most likely to be your caregiver should be your agent on everything yeah. so that he or she, usually she, has the ability to take care of you and make decisions about your care and the ability to pay for them. So healthcare power of attorney or proxy or whatever it's called in your state yeah. and the general durable power of attorney. So the mm-hmm. ability to spend money, okay, mm-hmm. empower your likely caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like you've seen, you know, if some, if brother is the financial whiz and has the general power of attorney with and might live just down the street but isn't the one doing care every day he doesn't understand how difficult it is and doesn't understand no. what it means to be getting yeah. to the end of the caregiver's role it is so okay. difficult and I, I guess that's the thing that i wanted to end this topic with is that you know this is a really complex situation but it's something that really whoever is involved in you know as I act as your agent, as you need care, there's going to likely be a time when somebody needs to step in and be your advocate. Yeah. And that's why involving that individual upfront of knowing what they have to face and where, you know, what the situation is down the line, I think is very valuable and certainly um, important to talk to. And, and two big points on preparing in advance for this, not, not even huge points. Okay. But very important points. 
no, as you mentioned, no one who's going to be the Omni power of attorney should be ambushed. They should know and they should agree to exactly. do so. Okay. Exactly. Second, once a power of attorney is signed and ready to go, even if no one needs care yet, that needs to be given to the banks and investment houses. Any place that is likely to need it, your real estate doesn't care until you're actually doing a real estate transaction. But you, the bank is going to take time to look at it. Yeah. You want to, you don't want them to be sending this to the law department while you're no. trying to figure out how mom's going to get care. No. So you want to take that in early to both the, uh, yeah. all the investment houses, including IRAs at this point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All the 401ks, all the IRAs, whatever, and where they have their investments and where they have their bank. Right. Right. Give them time to look at it before the stuff hits the fan. Jim, this has been such a valuable conversation. Thank you so much for today. And we are so thrilled to be able to deliver this information out to our listeners. I know it's very important and on a lot of people's minds right now. So thanks for being with us. Thanks, Suzanne. And I would like to thank each and every one of you for listening this week on the Answers for Elders Radio Network. And we are always here to answer your questions and also check us out. Check Jim out on the Answers for Elders podcast network we're on google apple spotify and more so looking forward to all of you having a great week and until then be good to each other state of ohio residents you have a friend to help you navigate long-term care while protecting your assets you can reach jim at www.protectingseniors.com or just email him at J-K-O-E-W-L-E-R hyphen A-F-E. That's J-K-E-L-E-R A-F-E at protectingseniors.com. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the way showers who will help your journey a lot easier.